What you think, you see, and you ultimately become. Think better, live better. Welcome to the Think Better, Live Better podcast. We're your hosts, Mark and Angel Chernoff, New York Times bestselling authors and creators of the popular blog, Mark and Angel Hack Life. Today's episode is titled, Five Things to Remember When Someone You Love is Depressed. If you love someone who is depressed, please resolve never to ask them why. They don't know. Depression isn't a straightforward, thought-out response to a tough situation. Depression just is, like December's weather in Seattle. Be mindful of the darkness, the lethargy, the hopelessness and loneliness they're going through. Be there for them, day in and day out, until they come through the other side. It's hard to be a true friend to someone who's truly depressed but it's one of the kindest and finest and most impactful things you will ever do in your lifetime. Angel and I have worked with dozens of depressed souls over the years, and we have experienced bouts of depression ourselves. One thing I am certain of is there's no one-size-fits-all kind of advice for depression. The reminders we're gonna discuss with you today are not universal clarifications, but simple guidelines that will hopefully give you a general starting point for helping your depressed loved ones cope and heal very gradually. Number one, depression is not something a person consciously chooses. When you're lost deep in those woods, it might take you some time to realize that you're lost. For a while, it's easy to convince yourself that you've just wandered off the path, that you'll find your way back any moment now. Then night falls again and again, and you still have no idea where you are. And although it's agonizing, it's time to admit that you've disoriented yourself so far off the path, so deep into the woods, that you can't even tell which direction the sun rises or sets from anymore. You're not choosing to be where you are, but you can't see a way out. That's how depression felt to me when I was struggling through it many moons ago. Depression is one of the most helpless and tiring emotional experiences a person can live through. Sometimes it's feeling lost, sometimes it's feeling despondent, and sometimes it's feeling absolutely nothing at all. There are times when depression can leave you feeling completely dead inside, incapable of moving and doing the things you used to enjoy. Depression is not just a bad mood, and it's certainly not something you can just get over when you feel like it. No one chooses to be depressed, and no one can turn it off or on in an instant whenever they feel like it. Number two, depression is hard to wrap your mind around if you haven't experienced it. Some people may imply that they know what it's like to be depressed simply because they've gone through a divorce, lost a job, or lost a loved one. While these tough life situations can lead to depression, they don't create depression by default. In most cases, these experiences carry with them strong emotional feelings. Depression, on the other hand, is often flat, hollow, and insufferable, literally sapping a person of emotion, hope, and reason. You don't feel like you. You don't even feel human. You're hopeless and paranoid and humorless and lifeless and desperate and demanding and no reassurance from anyone is ever enough. You're frightened and you're frightening and you're not at all like yourself, but you will be better soon. But you know you won't, right? Here's a very chilling quote by David Foster Wallace that brings this point home. 
The so-called psychotically depressed person who tries to kill herself doesn't do so out of, quote, hopelessness or any abstract conviction that life's assets and debits do not square. And surely not because death seems suddenly appealing. The person in whom its invisible agony reaches a certain unendurable level will kill herself the same way a trapped person will eventually jump from the window of a burning high-rise building. Make no mistake about people who leap from burning windows. Their terror of falling from a great height is still just as great as it would be for you or me standing speculatively at that same window, just checking out the view. In other words, the fear of falling remains constant. The variable here is the other terror, the fire's flames. When the flames get close enough, falling to death becomes the slightly less terrible of the two terrors. It's not desiring the fall. It's terror of the flames. And yet nobody down on the sidewalk, looking up and yelling, don't, hang on, can understand the jump. Not really. You'd have to personally been trapped and felt the flames to really understand a terror way beyond falling. Number three, saying things like, it's not that big of a deal. You just need some fresh air or it's time to move on rarely help. It's easy to tell someone you love positive things like this because you think you're giving them hope and helping ease their pain. But to someone suffering from depression, these kinds of simple cliche phrases often come across the wrong way. Thoughtless, empty, and essentially worthless. The truth is phrases like these don't address reality and only agitate the anxiety within, making a depressed person wish they were alone. It's like trying to strap a two-inch Band-Aid on a foot-long gaping wound. So what can you say instead? Again, there's no one-size-fits-all answer. Just be supportive. Here's a rough idea of what I might say. Maybe not all at once, though. I love you, and I'm not the only one. Please believe me. Please believe that the people who love you are worth living for, even when you don't feel it. Strive to revisit the good memories depression is hiding from you and project them into the present. Breathe. Be brave. Be here and take today just one step at a time. Exercise because it's good for you even if every step weighs 900 pounds. Eat when food itself sickens you. Reason with yourself when you have lost your reason. I'm here now and I'll be here tomorrow too. I believe in you. We are in this together. And then I'd give them a long, silent hug. Again and again. Number four. Even when they're pushing you away, you can still be there for them. I don't want to see anyone. I lie in the bedroom with the curtains drawn and nothingness washing over me like a sluggish wave. Whatever is happening to me is my own fault. I have done something wrong, something so huge I can't even see it, something that's drowning me. I am inadequate and stupid without worth. I might as well be dead. That quote from Margaret Atwood's book, Cat's Eye, reminds me of the desperate loneliness and despondency one feels when they're depressed. But even though depression makes a person feel hopelessly alone, that's often exactly what depression motivates a person to seek, more isolation. People suffering from depression typically get frustrated with feeling like they're a burden on their loved ones. This causes them to isolate themselves 
and push away the very people they need most. If a loved one becomes distant through their depression, just do your best to remind them as often as possible that you're still nearby. But don't force them to socialize or talk about their feelings if they don't want to. Be patient. Ease into it. Keep in mind that even though they may want their space, this doesn't mean they want to face their pain alone 24-7. Schedule in time to spend with them. Offer to take them to their favorite restaurant or even pick up some tasty to-go food for them. Introduce plenty of opportunities to create informal, one-on-one time where, you know, you can just break them out of their routine for a little while, even if it's just for a couple minutes. Reach out to them at random intervals. Be present. Be a present living reminder that they are not alone. Number five, depression exhausts and consumes a person which is why you can't take their behavior personally. Relentless exhaustion is a common side effect of depression. Just getting out of bed in the morning can be an overwhelming and excruciating experience. Also, someone suffering from depression may feel okay one moment and feel completely depleted the next, even if they're eating right and getting plenty of sleep. This can result in them canceling plans, departing get-togethers early, or saying no far more often than you'd like. Just remember, it's not about you. It has nothing to do with what you did or didn't do. These are just some of the prevalent side effects working through depression. Do your best to never take anything they do personally. People can only give to others what they have, and depression takes almost everything away from a person. All your actions and words should come from a place of love But that doesn't mean your depressed loved one will always be loving in return, and that's okay. When you do not take things personally, you liberate yourself. You open yourself to loving someone who truly needs you, freely and without letting needless expectations get in the way of the immeasurable amounts of affection you are capable of giving. Think about what we mentioned above, the You know, the fact that people can only give to others what they have themselves. Remember that this applies to you, too. Caring for a depressed loved one can be quite fatiguing. If you don't properly take care of yourself, you cannot properly take care of them no matter how hard you try. You may be able to be there physically, but if your mental and emotional reserves are completely depleted, you will have very little to actually give. So set some love and care aside for yourself, too. Refill your bucket on a regular basis. That means catching up on sleep, making time for fun and laughter, eating healthy enough to maintain peak energy levels, and otherwise making time for recovery from the pressures of loving someone who is truly depressed. Yeah, this is a tough subject because being there for our loved ones who need us is tough and it's draining, but it's nothing compared to what they are going through. So it's important to re-listen to these reminders and make yourself available and to be present and to reach out, send a quick text, send a phone call, just to remind them that you're there, you love them, you care for them, they're needed. Yeah. When you're caring for someone who's truly depressed, right, and, and going through a very, very dark stage in their lives, I agree. I mean, it is not an easy thing. It's an incredibly emotionally draining thing. And this is where, you know, pushing the negative sources in your life um, out, out of your life need to be kept in check, right? 
because some of the people who are hurting, who are truly seem to be negative and a drain to be around are truly in, in a dark situation, right? And so you, you do need to be mindful of that, right? Um, yes, the average negative human being that we pass in the street, we can just, you know, ignore them. But if you have someone in your life who has gone through something and who is experiencing a very dark period of their lives and suddenly you notice that their behavior changes, they are withdrawing from family and friends, they are not, you know, behaving the way they used to, the, the routines of their life have changed. They haven't been showing up for social occasions or birthday parties or to work. I mean, these are signs that this person could be dealing with true depression um, and they could be going through something serious. And it's, in, it, it's your awareness that's helpful, first of all, and then it's you doing the hard thing, which is making yourself available, which is not offering you know, any type of advice but offering your time and your yeah. presence. Yeah, time and presence is important. Just being able to say, hey, let's grab lunch. Let's grab coffee. And you know what's going to happen is you're going to sit there and it's going to be uncomfortable and awkward, but it's helping. It is. Just being there, just being present. Um, and the other person may not even eat, but just being able to sit there and share stories and to hear what they're going through. So many of us feel lost and alone when we're going through depression and we need that interaction with other people and we need to be heard. Yeah. I mean, you, you definitely, it's, it's one of those things, you, there's nothing that you can do to save another human being, but you can be a support system for that, that human being so that they can save themselves. You can provide your compassion, your presence, your patience with them, um, which gives them the hope that they need to take the next step. And that's kind of the key. It's not that you're offering the solutions, but you are offering a space of support for that human being. And it can make all the difference in the world. Um, Angel and I have seen that with coaching clients. Um, we've seen it in our personal lives. And we've even missed some too, to be quite honest with you. Um, we had a, a friend um, who lived in, in, in a neighborhood next to us who was sort of an acquaintance, not a close friend, but she was struggling and we didn't even realize um, and she ultimately succumbed to her depression. And it, it, it's, it's fascinating because she was the kind of human being who was the life of the party. Um, she was always happy and, 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 and giddy. And she went on what she called a sabbatical. She'd said on social media where she had, she'd kind of gone up to visit family um, in the Washington, D.C. area. And in that time frame that she was gone about three months, things changed at her end. We didn't know. A lot of local friends didn't know. We, hadn't, we certainly didn't read into it at all before she left. And then she came back and, and shortly thereafter succumbed to her depression that many of us had no clue that she was even dealing with. You know, an angel and I coach for a living and, and we didn't see the immediate signs of that. Um, and so, it, you know, it was a big reminder to us to pay closer attention, right? I mean, there is nothing that we could do for this individual at this point, of course, but pray for her. Um, and yet, it has opened our eyes. I know Angel and I have had many conversations about this, which is don't just pass by and, and with a quick wave. Don't, don't just you know, brush people off. Make time to say hello. Be a good neighbor. Mm -hmm. Be a loving family member. You know, have a, ha, like take a moment and, and ask somebody how their day is, how their life is. Yeah. You know, just be a present source in the people around you's lives because you never know what they're going through. And, and your kindness and the space that you create for them can make all the difference in the world, right? Yeah. And certainly if you know that somebody's depressed, I mean, it means to do even more. But 
the people around you are struggling and, mm-hmm. and, and we have to save some some space for them. Yeah. And you bring up a great point, you know, really spend some time with people like grab lunch, grab coffee, like I said, because, you know, even in our friend situation, sometimes I think, oh, I follow them on social media. They're good. They're living a great life. No big deal. But when was the last time I actually talked to them? Mm. When was the last time I actually sent them a text? And so I think that's a great point to not fall into the trap of thinking you're keeping up with them just because you know what's going on in their life from social media. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, we, we post that highlight reel on social media. So yeah, if you see somebody and, 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 and they're going to take a moment to tell you something that seems personal, save, save the, the, you know, the, the space for them to do that. Right. Make the time, figure it out. Um, it's, it's worth it. You know, I think with, with this friend that we, we lost, you know, this acquaintance in the neighborhood, there was like a, an exchange that you and her had prior to her leaving, right. For the sabbatical. And certainly her social media was the highlight reel as well, right? So, we, you know, looking at that, you'd never know. Um, but you had noticed that she seemed like she was high strung and there was, there was some anxiety right in that moment mm-hmm. when that like kind of last conversation you had with her. And I remember you telling me that. Um, now, of course, you don't immediately dial into it. You did make the time for her and you did talk to her. And then she, you know, she left and went on that, that sabbatical vacation or whatever shortly thereafter. Um, but it's interesting to realize that there actually was like a very small sign, you know, nothing that we could have read into too deeply, but um, there are signs that people will give you all around you, right? Your yeah. neighbors, your friends, your family. And the point here, I think most importantly is, you know, leverage, leverage what we discussed today, th- these reminders, you know, re- re-listen to this podcast. If you have someone who's truly suffering, um, you know, apply these, the, the, this, this level of thought to their situation and how you treat them. But these same principles can be applied to the average human being, right? Saving space for them, giving them the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, and it doesn't mean like let someone punch you, you know, don't be someone's punching bag, right? If someone's just being a negative human being, but realize that a lot of people who are, are hurting also try to hurt others. You know, they don't try, but they're, they indirectly do that. And so, you know, create that space, be compassionate, be a kind and loving soul, think a little bit better um, so that you can treat others better as well. And if you're enjoying this podcast, we also do have two audiobooks available titled Getting Back to Happy and A Thousand Little Things Happy Successful People Do Differently. Remember, what you think, you see, you ultimately become. Think better, live better. <laughs>